Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us. A lot of ground to cover on today's program. Let's get right to it. Baseball is back at least for the moment. The Brewers play three games in Chicago. They're scheduled to play tonight. If you haven't heard it, uh, the, the season, unfortunately, is kind of up in the air again. Here, here's the deal. The Miami Marlins were playing in Philadelphia over the weekend. And one of the things that's, that's more challenging about baseball than, than, say, basketball is that in baseball, the teams are, are traveling. So basketball, the whole idea is there is this bubble and everybody's going to go down to Disney World and they're going to try to you know keep people in the bubble and keep them isolated from outside factors. That, that's going to be enough of a challenge. But in baseball, you, you have traveling parties. So you have the, the players that are going to be flying from city to city. They're going to be staying in hotels. There's presumably going to be you know some interaction with people on the outside. Now, I understand that they're that they they're going to try to keep the players as isolated as possible but there is this element of travel so anyhow you know Miami and of course Florida is one of the epicenters of of the current covid outbreak Florida and Texas and Arizona and to an extent California um th- that's where you're seeing this explosion and as i've argued before i think part of it is because you can get covid-19 outside but it's less likely. It's more likely spread when people are inside. And, you know, what happens in Florida and in Arizona and in Texas and in California in the summertime? Well, it gets really, really hot. And so just like we're inside in November and December and January and February and March because it's so cold outside, in in the summer in those areas, People are inside. You're in the air conditioning. And I think that, coupled with the fact that you have all sorts of people, particularly young people who are running and having parties and infecting each other, that that, that all leads to it. But anyhow, you know, South Florida is one of the epicenters. So uh, what was supposed to happen is this evening, Miami, the Marlins, were traveling from Philadelphia to Miami. They were going to have their home opener this evening. They were going to play the Baltimore Orioles. Well, that has all been put on hold. The Miami Marlins have had at least 14 of their players and their staff members test positive for the coronavirus. So, you know, as a result, the game that they were supposed to play at home against Baltimore has been postponed. Um, In addition, the game um, with Philadelphia and the New York Yankees that was supposed to be played in Philadelphia tonight, that has also been uh, postponed. Why? Because at least thus far, even though they haven't announced positive tests uh, among the Phillies players, Philadelphia played Miami over the weekend. So now I'm sure that there's some concern about, gee, with, with this interaction, if if there was this outbreak that was going through the players and the traveling party, um, did, did people from the Phillies, the opposing team, you know, did they get it? And of course, nobody knows for sure where the players got it and how long they might have had it and how bad the symptoms are. But the bottom line is three games into the season, they're already starting to postpone games. Our number 
855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I, I want to see them play a full season. You know, don't don't get me wrong. I, I think it was it was great, even though the, the results weren't so necessarily super over the weekend. It, it was great to have baseball back. It was great to be able to turn on WTMJ and, and listen to the calls of the games. And, and I understand it's a weird sort of year with no fans in the stands and things like that. But I, I hope they're able to play. But three days in to now have to start canceling games because, at least in this case, a, a pretty widespread outbreak on at least one of the teams makes me wonder if they're going to be able to pull this off. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I admit, before the season started, we did a segment, and I said I thought it was probably about 80-20 that they weren't going to be able to make it work. It's just 80-20, they weren't going to be able to make it work. I feel differently about basketball, but with all the travel and all the things, I, I thought, you know, that the daily grind and things like this, I, I, I thought you were going to see more and more outbreaks. So let's tee this up, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I, I'd say my numbers are, are still the same. And again, I'm not rooting for failure. That's not what this is all about. But just uh, objectively, if... You know, one series into the season, you've already had one team that's had a massive outbreak. How are they going to be able to avoid this moving forward? Do you think they're going to be able to play an entire baseball season modified as they suggested? 855-616-1620. Again, I'd say if I were a betting guy, and I hope I'm wrong, but I'd say it's about 80% no. What do you think? We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, it's not exactly Portland, but it is an amazing video. Matter of fact, my note on Twitter, and I just sent this out, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 if you follow me on Twitter. It's not Portland, it's Putt-Putt. Um, if, if you want... If you wonder, it just, I mean, there's so much stuff going on nowadays, it just makes me shake my head. And, and here's the deal, um, the, the story on TMZ, and I, I've got a video of this, and you really have to watch the video. It's out of Memphis. The headline is, All Hell Breaks Loose Over Refund. So here, here's what happens. Apparently, over the weekend, in Saturday night in, in Memphis, there's an indoor miniature golf place. The Putt-Putt Fun Center in Memphis. What happens is apparently a number of parents decide, ah, this is where we're going to dump our kids off so we can go out and and do whatever in the age of of COVID-19. So what happens is uh, three to four hundred kids are dropped off at this indoor Putt-Putt Center. Well, that quickly overwhelms the place. And what happens is that Memphis, like so many cities, has has rules on the number of how many people can be in a facility at once. So what happens is after all these kids come, what ends up happening is the 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 putt putt center has to close down. At that point in time, um, the kids start going nuts. One of the teens rips up the plexiglass at the front desk, throws it at workers, then proceeds to hurl even more objects. Matter of fact, it's this amazing video, which then helped kick off a stampede and more destruction. There was even a firework that was set off. It's just, it's just amazing how out of control this got. And if you, if you wonder, if you wonder, 
gee, how are we looking at the stuff that's happening in Louisville and in Minneapolis and in Portland and in Seattle? Well, obviously, at least a lot of these kids are probably watching that on TV because this is this isn't about, you know, racial justice or anything like this. This is just about, hey, they're closing down the putt putt. But um, it's an amazing video. And like I said, I sent out a link to it. If you want to if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 just kind of um, shows where things are. OK, so here, here's the problem with Major League Baseball. The they decided to restart the season and this to start the season. And the hope is you play 60 games. Well, the, the problem always has been what happens when you have travel, because essentially w- when they were in their extended spring training or their summer camp or whatever they want to call it, what what happened is they, they, they were able to keep this pretty much under control. There were only nine players who tested positive throughout all baseball in the past two weeks. And since baseball restarted, what, a month ago, just 29 players and staff members, that's 0.1%, tested positive. The issue, though, was always going to be, you know, what what happened, what happens once the teams start to travel? And we're starting to get the results of that. It, it's, it's at least not good as far as the early indications. Fourteen members of the Miami Marlins who played in Philadelphia have now tested positive. They were supposed to play in Miami tonight. They're staying in Philadelphia. Their game against Baltimore has been canceled. In addition, the Philadelphia game against New York, the New York Yankees, that's been canceled as well, again, because they don't know if Philadelphia players have been infected. The thinking is, and nobody knows where these, where the Marlins might have been infected, but they played an exhibition game in Atlanta, following me on this, on Wednesday night, and so there is a concern that um, a number of people, they might have gotten infected in Atlanta, which then, of course, raises the, which, of course, raises the question about, you know, is that going to be a problem as well? And look, I'm rooting for baseball to get through it. I, I am. But I've always been thinking, man, with all that, that constant travel. Now, the English Premier League, which is soccer, they, they started the season and they were able to, to finish. They, they played about two months worth of games in a month and they just finished on Sunday. But the difference is, and they did travel, but the difference is they were traveling those teams once or twice a week as opposed to, you know, the the constant, you know, out on the road. Here's some texts. Uh, Jeff, I give the season until next weekend at the most. One third of your team knocked out, game postponed. They're already on an extremely tight schedule. How do you end up making these games up? Jeff, so basically the Marlins just promoted their entire platoon team to Major League Baseball. At what point are you watering down the sport with less qualified professionals playing? Honestly, I hate to say it, but maybe they should just cancel the league this year. Well, and then again, you're, you're starting to see it. Um, Mike Moustakis, former Brewer, signed a big contract with the Cincinnati Reds and, and had a great couple games. I think he went four for eight. He was scratched out of yesterday's game based on what they say was illness. Now, who knows what that exactly means, but I think whenever you hear that, the implication is, well, we we think, um, we, you know, when you think an illness, you're thinking, well, he's probably tested positive for the virus. Don't know that. There's all sorts of illnesses that could be there, but I, I think that's probably the odds-on thing. Jeff, I said last week and the week before, baseball will be canceled in the first week or two. Football will never begin. See, I'm not sure I agree with the whole notion about football. Football is a I understand football is closer contact 
But football is a different sort of dynamic. Again, you're only traveling once a week. You can control the environment more in, in football. You can isolate you can isolate the teams more than I think that you can in baseball. Jeff, cancel the season, saw plenty of players not having a mask on, giving high fives, standing next to each other. Um, let's see. Um, so, you know, it, it's all those different factors that are out there. I hope they're able to pull it off. I, I really, really do. But it, the early results are in, and, and they're not good. And, yeah. I'm sure it's a frustration for all the fans that are out there, and and my guess is that they're going to continue to to plug ahead as as far as they go. At the same time, if if this is what happens the first weekend, you got to wonder what's going to happen after two or three more weeks. As of right now, at least all the games for tonight are on, except for the Miami Baltimore game and the Philadelphia New York game. Everything else is on at least thus far. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The COVID-19 pandemic is still taking its toll across America. How will this impact schools in the fall? Join us Tuesday, August 11th for WTMJ Cares, a special roundtable hosted by John McCure. We'll have education experts here to answer any questions you might have about K-12 schools, colleges, and universities, their plans for the fall, and heading into next year. If you have a question that you'd like answered during the roundtable, please give us a call, 414 414- 203-8105 and leave us a message with your question. That's 414-203-8105. WTMJ Cares, powered by Watry Industries and Premier Aluminum. When I was talking to Stephen Carroll, I, I made reference to this. Um, over the weekend, it was announced that Elizabeth, better known as Bo Black, um, passed away in Arizona at the age of 74. Bo Black, and again, sometimes I... I, I, I for those of us who've grown up in this area and are of a certain age, you, you, there's certain people's names, and, and you say Bo Black, and, and everybody knows who Bo Black is. Now, I, I do a- acknowledge that maybe, you know, if you moved here in the last 15 years or so, you, you might not quite un- understand who she was, but she was the executive director of, of Summerfest. Don Smiley succeeded her, but Bo was the person who I think during her, her 20 years tenure, She's the one that really took Summerfest from a very popular but kind of like regional, local sort of festival. And she, with the help of a lot of other people, really, really blew it up and, and turned it into the, the national, maybe the international celebration that, that it was. And, and Bo, she was just kind of a force of nature. She was, she was feisty. She was fun. She was the, the, the face of this event and it was just amazing I, I can remember you know you you'd see you know Bo that she'd be in the background or sometimes she'd be on stage with the performers and, and she just was incredibly bubbly and she was incredibly energetic and and she was the perfect voice for Summerfest and the perfect face for Summerfest at that time in Summerfest's history and and I think she deserves a, a lot of, of credit for that now having said that um I, I think Don Smiley, you know, he had he had a tough act to follow when when Bo ended up sort of being deposed by the, the Summerfest board. But but what ended up happening is I think just like Bo Black was the perfect person for Summerfest 
during those years when we were making it the, the international festival it was. I mean, I think Don Smiley has been, you know, the, the perfect steward after that because Don's not as showy. I'm not sure anybody would be as showy, and I say that with affection, as Bo was. Don's more of a behind-the-scenes guy, and he's more of a business sort of guy who goes out and you know, I, th- I think he's been responsible for, you know, lining up a lot of the sponsors and the key corporate commitments and, and making the improvements on the grounds and things like that that really, I, I think, have been necessary and made Summerfest such a wonderful place to go and have really kept, I, I think, Summerfest on a pace to be something, you know, really big for the next several decades. Bo, I'm not saying she ignored the grounds and stuff, but but Bo was into the, the hoopla and Bo was into the headlines and all those type of things. And again, she she was just perfect. She was fun. I always enjoyed the opportunities that I, I had over the years to talk to her and interview her. And um, I, I think, you know, she... If if you remember what Summerfest was when she took over, and you remember you know her tenure here, you, you have to speak of her just uh, affectionately. And um, I think there's nothing but good memories about what Bo Black ended up doing. Um, you know she she knew the politics of the area, and she knew the politics, and she wasn't afraid to take on powerful political figures when she thought it was in the interest of Summerfest to do that. Again, I think she was just a great steward of of Summerfest and I know she's you know had various health issues over the years but you know 74 years old just just way too soon but anybody who remembers Summerfest over the years just you know you got to appreciate what Bo Black did all right we're going to take a quick break for the news when we come back um big question coronavirus it's not going anywhere unfortunately now the good news is that in many parts of the country, and in Wisconsin in particular, even though the numbers are up about people who's being infected, you don't, you're not seeing the hospital system being overwhelmed, and you're not seeing that the death total rise dramatically. But, you know, there are people getting sick, predominantly younger people who are rushing out to parties and aren't practicing social distancing and things of the like. So the question becomes, all right, as we deal with this, do we need to go back to March? Do we need to start thinking about shutting down the state again? Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right. As we were just discussing, and Melissa during her newscast was highlighting this, um, in Wisconsin, you, you have... 957 new confirmed cases of coronavirus um that the the good news the the good news is that the hospitalizations aren't up as a matter of fact the hospitalizations are are down and the death total and and any death is, is unacceptable but the death totals are not going up and anywhere near in comparison to the, to the number of people who are getting sick. For example, you know what, on Saturday, 957 confirmed cases of COVID-19, but only one new coronavirus-related death. I, I think that's indicative of what you're seeing is that um, is that what, what's going on is that it, it's it's younger people who are, are getting sick, people in the, the 18 to 29 range who are, are getting sick, as opposed to people in their 70s or 80s. And it's never a good thing to get sick, don't get me wrong. But, you know, if, if you're a teenager or you're in your 20s or 30s, and especially if you don't have any of the other underlying health issues, your, your chances of 
uh, of recovering and recovering without the need for hospitalization are, are much, much greater. Is it possible that somebody who's 22 years old could end up in the hospital? Yes, of course it's possible, but that's not statistically where this is. But, but nevertheless, you do have, you know, people who are, are getting sick. And in part, I think it's because particularly with younger people, you don't have folks that are practicing social distancing. You know, they're, they're going out, they're getting together. If they're not getting together in restaurants or, or bars, what they're doing is they're getting together at people's houses, and because it's hot outside, they're going inside in, in the air conditioning. We know that COVID-19 spreads more quickly inside than outside. And again, it's not to say that you can't get the coronavirus if you're outside in close contact with people, but it's more likely, again, if you are inside, and particularly if you're inside for a prolonged period of time. So the, these numbers don't appear to be going down. And I'm not sure that they're going to go down you know, anytime soon, particularly as long as younger people don't end up changing their behavior. And that's just going to be one of the things I think we're going to end up having to live with. And if you are older, well, I, I think you, again, have to be especially careful. And I know, uh, for example, a lot of my friends who are are in the, the older category, or at least, you know, the, the riskier category, you know, um, yeah, they, they go out, they, they socialize, but they don't go to situations where, hey, it's a graduation party, let's go hang out with 200 people, and, and then wonder, you know, what's going to happen, or let, let's not go to, you know, let, let's not have a party in the backyard, or a party where people are going to be inside with 20 or 30 or 40 kids, as I know has been going on <clears throat> at a number of area high schools and the parents have apparently been letting their kids do it so i think the reality is mask rule no mask rule whatever we're we're going to be living with these covid numbers for a while as long as people are going to be going out because you, you can put all the mask rules you want into effect but there's only so far you can go with that i mean for example if you've got you know, 110 people that are coming over to people's houses for a graduation party, and it's all high school kids or, or college kids. You know, you can say you're supposed to be wearing masks, and maybe some will, but you know, it's not enforceable. A lot of people aren't. So the reality is, I think we're going to be living with this for for a while. So now the question becomes, what do we do about this? Where do we go from here? Now, I raise this question because... There, there's something happening this week. When the U, when the state Supreme Court struck down the governor's safer at home orders, something that, that still he's, he's upset about, well, they did it on a four to three vote. One of the justices, Justice Dan Kelly, who voted with the majority, he, he lost his reelection bid. He, he's off the court at the end of this week. He's replaced by a very liberal woman who ran against him. She won. So now the, the balance of power on the Supreme Court, it's four conservatives, it's three liberals. One of the conservatives, though, voted with the liberals last time. So the thinking is, well, if the governor were to try to reimpose a safer-at-home sort of shutdown order across the state, and it would be challenged again, maybe, just maybe, the newly reconstituted members of the state Supreme Court might reach a different decision. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Statewide shutdown, rolling things back to where we were in March and April. Is it necessary? Would you support it? 
And, and my answer is, is no, it's not necessary statewide. And, and no, I don't think the general public would support it. I don't think we can close down businesses again. There's a lot of businesses that aren't going to reopen as it is now. I don't think we can go back to March. I think there's things we can do to be smarter moving forward, but I don't think we can shut down the state again. What do you think? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. At the end of the week, uh, Justice Dan Kelly he, he lost his re- bid for election. He's off the, the court, uh, the Supreme Court. Um, there are some people who think that the governor is waiting for that to happen, and he wants to impose either a statewide mask mandate or, or perhaps a return to safer at home. Another one of those shutdowns. All right, and then see what the new court does with those orders. You know, would they reverse what happened? My position is statewide is inappropriate, whether it's a mask mandate or or another shutdown. 855-616-1620. Let's start with some texts. Jeff, we absolutely positively shouldn't shut down everything again, especially since we now understand who's most at risk of adverse impact and that outdoors, masks and social distancing are effective at curtailing virus spread. I fear, however, common sense um, and real evolving facts are getting completely dismissed these days in favor of sensationalism and is a desire to live in a risk-free utopian society. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's an eventual public demand for going back to shutdown statewide and nationwide. Jeff, shut it down. We opened everything way too early and carelessly. Deb in West Bend says, Jeff, there's no end in sight. Life must move on. The economy will never survive another shutdown. Well, that's true. I don't think the economy would survive. There's a lot of businesses that aren't coming back to begin with. And now if you were to say to some of these businesses that have just restarted, no, we're going to make you shut down again, it, it, you're, you know, it's the death knell. Uh, here's a text, Jeff, shut down. America was not built on shutting things down. Well, I understand this virus is real. I believe it's being blown way out of proportion. The common cold and influenza are real too, and they have not found a cure for that Either we are being conditioned, manipulated, and programmed by multiple agendas as never before. People are eating everything that is being spoon-fed to them. Okay, I, I think, you know, there, there is a balancing between the, oh, we shouldn't have opened up again, and yes, this is real, but we, we have to, we, you know, we, we have to just go ahead and blast and keep everything open. I, I don't think that that's, that's appropriate. What I think needs to happen is candidly kind of what's going on now. And I've been making this point from the, the beginning. When the governor first ordered the, the, the Safer at Home shutdown, I don't think it would, should have been statewide. First of all, I, I think it, it should have been tied to science. We didn't need to shut down everything. What we needed to do is figure out where is it that, that COVID-19 is spreading, 
Where, where is it likely it's going to spread? And then concentrate on, on those areas. So the example I know I've been given for a couple months is, you know, if you've got that small jewelry store or the dog groomer or, or whoever, or, you know, the, the small business operator who maybe in any given day is going to have a half a dozen to a dozen people in their store, the little tailor shop. It, we didn't need to close those stores down. There, there was no justification for doing that at the same time that we're letting Walmart and Costco and those other places stay open. And obviously, we had to allow the grocery stores and the Walmarts and the Costcos to stay open because people need to have food. What what we need to do and what we needed to do in the beginning and what we need to do moving, moving forward is, first of all, figure out the areas where there are the epicenters of the spread. Now, right now, Milwaukee County remains the hot spot for COVID-19. And within Milwaukee County, the city of Milwaukee remains the hot spot in the entire state. I mean, I ran the numbers last week, and I don't think they've changed dramatically. But uh, Milwaukee County has in the neighborhood of 35 to 40 percent of all the COVID cases in the state. And three quarters of the Milwaukee County cases come out of the city of Milwaukee. So if the city of Milwaukee feels that it needs more extensive rules, well, okay, that that's fine. And and that's exactly what they've done. They've got one of the most draconian mask rules in, in the country in requiring people to wear masks, you know, outdoors, even though, again, the science doesn't necessarily show that in casual contact outdoors it's going to spread. But that's okay. The city of Milwaukee has problems that the rest of the state, or at least most of the rest of the state, doesn't have. So if a particular locality whether it's a city or whether it's a county, decides that, hey, in, in our area, we have particular problems, okay, they, they can tailor it. And maybe that means you've got to close down bars in that particular area. But at the same time, to, to say, for example, we're going to impose a statewide requirement because we're going to assume that, that the needs of lacrosse are the same as the needs of the central city of Milwaukee when it comes to these different rules. I don't think that's necessary, and I don't think it's smart. Tailor the rules to the individual areas and let the local officials decide. And and as far as an overarching shutdown, I think that would be an incredibly you know bad idea. And I, I just I don't think people would tolerate that either. I mean, I think you know we we went through that. We we tried it. Hopefully, we have learned things from that. And nobody's going to think it's going to be necessary to try to once again go to all these area businesses and say we're we're going to make you shut down. Because if you do that, I mean, you're just you're going to create this economic problem, and you're going to create all sorts of other health problems as well. What do we say to the hospitals? All right, we want you to stop doing your elective surgeries. You know, you, you close down for several months, so people who needed hip replacements or knee replacements or various forms of treatment, they weren't able to get that, so now we're going to make you, you know, shut down. Don't see that as a viable sort of option. What I think you need to do is allow the local authorities, working with the state, working with the CDC, to figure out what's going on in the local communities and then tailor the different responses. And so if Racine thinks their problems justify, you know, mask ordinances inside, okay, that that's fine. If Milwaukee thinks they need an ordinance that says people have to wear masks outside, 
okay, then, then fine. I'm, I'm not sure how enforceable that is, but fine. That's what they're going to do. Let them go ahead and, and do that. But this idea that we would even consider saying to areas, and, and by the way, there, again, there's lots of areas in the state that aren't seeing, you know, huge upticks in the numbers of of people who are sick with COVID. And again, one of the encouraging things, and I understand it's, it's a silver lining in a very dark cloud, one of the encouraging things is you're not seeing the death total spike. You're not seeing the hospitalization spike because even though the number of positive cases are going up, it tends to be younger people who are perhaps not taking this as seriously as some of those of us who are a little bit older are, are taking. But if the governor is thinking about shutting down the state again or imposing one-size-fits-all requirements for this, I think that that would be ill-considered. And if that means that you've got different rules in different counties or different cities, fine, because different counties and different cities have different needs. This is Jeff Wagner. See, my advice to Governor Evers would be if if you're thinking about coming out with mandates, at at least base them on science and tailor them to what what we've learned over the last, you know, several months. For, For example, you know, where are we seeing the outbreaks and what is the behavior that's causing the outbreaks? You know, we, we all these dental offices were ordered closed down. Okay, well, are, are we seeing outbreaks at dental offices? And the answer is, is, is no. Are we seeing outbreaks as a general rule in, in small businesses? The, the answer is no. We know pretty much, you know, what's causing the different outbreaks and it's people who aren't social distancing and, and they're going out and they're socializing, particularly younger people. All right, if, if you want to do something, you know, tailor the rules to deal with what the problem is. But don't say to, I don't know, restaurants that have, have outdoor dining and have maintained the, the limits on the number of people that are there, don't go back to them and tell them that they have to close down. You know, don't go to the jewelry stores. Don't go to the dog rumors that aren't creating the problem and tell them that they have to close down. That's not right. It's not fair. And it's not smart. You have to be smart moving forward. Now, if you're figuring out that, you know, gee, we're, we're having these problems with these bars that are staying open, and you've got lots of people that are socializing outside the bars in the city of Milwaukee, for example. Well, okay, you know, maybe you have to tailor something to try to change that behavior, or I guess worst case scenario, end up shutting it down again. But I think that should be the last resort. But just because that's going on, you don't necessarily need to do that in Manaqua or Rhinelander or La Crosse or Eau Claire or Vernon or any of the other places around the state. Tailor the response to what is going on in a particular area. Now, when I talk about this, I'm, I'm talking about Wisconsin. Now, I understand that there might be other areas of the country where perhaps a different consideration is there. Um, Texas. Texas is a hot spot right now, and and in Houston, there's legitimate concern that because, again, I think so many people are inside in the air conditioning and things like that, that this is spreading, there's a legitimate concern that the hospital system might be on the verge of being overwhelmed. Well, okay, if that's the case, then maybe you need to take more extensive measures. But in Wisconsin, and this is a good thing, our hospital system, even during the, you know, the worst of this, never came close to being overwhelmed, and it's not close to being overwhelmed now. So you, you don't need to you know, go to the, the nuclear option when you're not faced with that situation. Now, if you're the governor of Florida, looking at stuff that's going on in, in the Miami area, 
Okay, maybe it's a different concern. If you're gov- the governor of Texas looking at what's going on in Houston, maybe it's a different concern. But but Arizona, if you're looking, if you're governor of Arizona and you're looking at what's going on in the Phoenix area, all right, maybe you need a different criteria and maybe you need to be a little bit more aggressive. But that's not necessary based on the numbers right now in Wisconsin. And beyond that, like I say, I just don't think people will put up with this because there is there is an economic fallout on the flip side. And I understand that some people see this as a binary choice. And I, I, I get those texts. Well, you obviously don't care if people die. Well, of course I care if people die. But at the same time, I, I also care if people are economically devastated. And that's why you have to can make all these considerations. I mean, the announcement last week, um, you know, Potawatomi Casino, they're, they're laying off 1,600 employees because that's about half, it's more than half its workforce as, you know, they try to work through the whole COVID-19 pandemic. You know, Potawatomi, of course, you know, shut down in mid-March. They reopened like April, May. So they've been open for about a month, but, you know, they're, they're limiting the number of people that can come in. They're limiting the number of games that people can play. They're doing a fraction of the business they did before. And so what, what's happening with the social distancing rules and things of the like, they're, they're just not doing the business that they do to justify the employees they have. So that's 1,600 people who are suddenly out of work. Magnify that across the entire area, and you recognize, you know, you, you just can't shut down the state again. You should not even try. And I do admit to being a little bit disappointed, particularly with, you know, people, teenagers and people in their 20s um, who, who've been fueling, again, the increase in these numbers by not being smart and say, okay, well, we're going to rush back. And yeah, gee, there, there's a house party and we're going to see how many people we can put in Frank's basement. Um, and, and then, gee, surprise follows surprise. All these people get sick. And you've seen that at a lot of um, area involving high school students as well. You, you need people to be a little bit smarter and we end up getting through this. All right. When we come back, well, lots of stuff coming up on today's program. Don't go anywhere. It's 1259. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Hey, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I just sent out one of these stories that you see, and it's, it's linked to one of these stories, and there's a video attached to it that just... It makes you shake your head. Now, I understand we have a controversy in this area, in this state, and in this country about wearing masks. I I get it. And that controversy isn't going to go away anytime soon. And and I think we, we all can look at different policies, and I think most of us could acknowledge that wearing masks inside helps prevent the spread of COVID-19. Now, you can also say, okay, in Dane County, for example, that they say if I invite people over to my house, those guests have to wear masks. Really? I mean, it, if I'm that concerned about it, I'm not going to be inviting those people over. Plus, it's unenforceable. I mean, it's just it's flat out unenforceable. The city of Milwaukee has a, a requirement that says essentially you, you wear your mask outdoors, despite the fact that that there's not that much evidence that suggests in, in any sort of casual encounter outdoors that you're likely to spread COVID-19. I mean, I guess it's one thing if you've got people that are packed next to each other for hours on a beach, but just walking down the street, that that's not how it spreads as a general rule. And, and we know that, but Milwaukee wants it to be outside. All right, so we, we can have legitimate agreements or disagreements about how far we go with this. But then... 
Then there's this story. And my notes said, honest to goodness, there's stupid, there's really stupid, and then there's these people. Um, Saturday was when the state of Minnesota has a statewide mandate for wearing masks inside businesses that are open to the public. All right. So that it went into effect. And again, you, you can agree with it or disagree with it or think it should be maybe tailored to, you know, the areas where there's the spreads. OK, there, there's all those different issues that are out there. But but that's not what the story is about. So these two people go to Walmart and they they want to shop at Walmart, number one, and they want to presumably make a statement about how they don't like the, the government-imposed mask requirement, even though I think Walmart also has its own mask requirement, but that's neither here nor there. The story is the two of them show up wearing face masks. Now, I understand one of the things that's happening is people are are personalizing their, their face masks, and there's this whole cottage industry that's developed about people putting on, you know, different kind of face masks showing support for political causes or for sports teams or whatever. These two walk into Walmart. Their face masks, they're Nazi flags. They've got they've got swastikas on them, and it's you know it just you you look at this and you go really. I, I mean, I, I just one of the things I've learned in decades of doing this this show on WTMJ is 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 people on the left and the right all, all too often it's like oh th- this is just Nazism or this is like Nazi Germany or this person's being a Nazi or that person's being a Nazi and and I think that those terms are thrown around without any real appreciation for or understanding of, of what Nazi Germany was was really like. And so, I mean, I, I'm always, whenever I hear, I just, I admit, I turn off when I hear people say, oh, that, you're just being a Nazi about this, or these are the ex-Nazis, or whatever. No, it's it has a very, very particular meaning about a very, very horrible time in, in world history. And I think you minimize it when you just kind of throw those terms around. Having said that, what kind of jack wagons go into any store, Walmart or otherwise, Wearing face masks that are the not the with the swastikas on them. I mean, seriously. And I guess I understand they're they're trying to make a statement that this is this is big government and and this is like Nazi Germany. I'm going to tell you something. All right, requiring people to wear a face mask has nothing to do at all. It's it's not even comparable. It's not. I would say it's not in the same ballpark. It's not in the same state as what Nazi Germany was all about. So for goodness sakes, the couple has now apparently been banned for life from Walmart for wearing the swastikas on their uh, on their face masks. And you know, I, I I don't know if they're doing them a favor by banning them from Walmart for life. But I mean, really, this is one of those things where. If if you're thinking about going out in the day, say, hey, we're going to make a statement. Let's go over to Walmart. I know. Let's pay, let's create face masks that have the swastika on them, and let's see what attention we can get. Um, headline in the Washington Post says, disgraceful, plain and simple. I just say there's stupid, there's really stupid, and then there's these people. All right. Businesses are wrestling with how to bring people back to work. Now, in our business, um, we're, we're still largely shut down. Our salespeople are working from home. Our marketing people are working from home. The only people that are in the studios now are those of us who are on air and people like my producer who, you know, help, helps keep me on the air and a couple engineers. But, but I don't know. I haven't heard what the ultimate plan is, but my guess is that's going to be for the foreseeable future. I know there are a number of large area businesses 
who are telling their employees, don't don't expect to come back until next year. I mean, including, you know, a couple businesses that have like uh, office towers or new office buildings or committed to having floors of, of employees. They're already saying don't don't plan on coming back in, until next year. And of course, th- this has all sorts of impact, because if you in a downtown urban area, if you run a restaurant, for example, that that gear a sandwich shop that's geared to, you know, providing lunch to the, the downtown workplace, and there's nobody in the downtown workplace, you're in trouble. Big story in the New York Times the other day about how you know, downtown Manhattan is really pretty much of a ghost town. And so you have all these businesses that were geared to providing services um, for all the people that were working in these giant high-rises. Well, nobody's working in the giant high-rises anymore, and they don't know that they're going to be able to do that. Google, which is, of course, the huge tech company in California, Google announced this morning that their employees who have been working at home for the last several months, they anticipate that they're going to be keeping them home until next July. In other words, they're going to continue working at home for the next full year. Now, obviously, I mean, that's always subject to change. I guess the dynamics can change, and and all of a sudden, people can make that decision. But it's very, very apparent that a lot of big companies are now kind of gearing down and saying, okay, this is where it's going to be. This is the new reality. And, And if you're working at home, plan on continuing to work at home for the foreseeable future. Maybe it's going to be another three months. Maybe it's going to be another six months. Maybe it might be another full year. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this an overreaction? If your employer were to say to you, okay, this is the deal. It's going to be three months, six months, 12 months before you're going to be able to come back to work. Would you respond to that positively? Are you enjoying working at home if you've been working at home, or do you want to get back as soon as possible? Because the truth is now, the novelty, I think, is probably worn off for a lot of people. Novelty is worn off, and in some respects, it's nice to work at home. I mean, I was doing my show from home for about 11 weeks. I'm very, very glad to be back for a, a lot of different reasons. All right, if you were told you have to work at home for the next six months or a year, how would you feel about it? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Google announcing today all its employees, they've been working at home since March, don't plan on coming back to the office until July of 2021. That is a year from now. How would you feel about that if it was you? Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Good afternoon, Jeff. I'm, I'm speaking actually for behalf of my wife, so I'm not putting words in her mouth. Uh, she's expressed to me this often. She worked in the office all the time, and now she's stuck at home, and uh, we've got a computer system set up in the basement down here for And her biggest thing is, while she enjoys some of the benefits of getting some stuff done around the house while she's working, uh, her personal thing is she misses the interaction with the right. people she worked with. She just misses meeting those people and talking. Right. I yeah. think she'd be happy with a 50-50 deal or something like that or, you know, going just back 100%. But I think, you know, she enjoys a couple of days at home, too. Right. No, I, that's the thing is interaction. 
Well, no, th- it's, thanks for calling, Mike. I mean, I, I think you're, you're on to something. It is, it's the isolation that, that I think is, now that the novelty has kind of worn off, it's the isolation. Now, look, there, there are advantages to working at home. You don't, you, you don't have the commuting costs that, that are there. You don't have that, that time that you lose. I think in some cases, you know, people can end up being more productive. I, I thought I was very productive that was working at home. And, and I mean, my goodness, if you, if you weren't driving back and forth to, to work, you, you save the wear and tear on the car, you save that. But I do think you end up missing the socialization that, that's out there. Here's a text, Jeff. My employer says we will be remote at least until September, but I think it'll be a lot longer, probably at least through the end of the year. Frankly, I'm glad for it. I work in a downtown high rise with a very compact floor plan. I have no desire to be there now. I want to go back eventually, but I am happy to wait. See, I, I think that's one of the things that, that's going to be driving this as well, because it, how, how are you going to bring people back safely? Because, like for, for example, let, let's say you've got a, a sales force that, that's out and about. The sales force is, is out having meetings and going over to clients' businesses and things of the like, and then they're coming back into like the home office environment. They're going to be interacting with everybody else. So, I mean, you know, you, you, you go over to, you know, Jeff's Deli and, you know, you, you, you have a meeting with a client and, you know, you get sick then and you bring it back and then you've infected everybody at the office. Th- those are the, the issues that I think employers are dealing with, which is how in the office setting do you maintain that social distancing? One of the one of the, the big trends in office, the hip and trendy thing over the last couple of years has been like the open office concept. I mean, to, you know, when, when I was practicing law, you know, all the attorneys, you, you were, you were, you were kind of separate. Everybody had their own offices and then you had your, your administrative assistant who sat outside your office, but people weren't packed together. Um, well, now, I mean, the, the, the new thing in office design is here, let, let's have this open concept and everybody's, you know, sharing the same computers and sharing the same tables and doing that. I, I think a lot of employers are looking at this. If, if you look, if you look at the new NML in the Northwestern Mutual building downtown, it's it's very very open. There, there's not a lot of walls, and it, it's all that that was the whole design concept. And I'm sure all the people that are responsible for this are saying, okay, well, h- how do we bring people back if everybody's going to be sitting around at the same table and things you know like that? And I think that's a that's a very fair issue um to, to have to try to figure out how to you know deal with this um let's see jeff this sounds like what we've been pleading for handling the virus on a case-by-case business if, if businesses can stay open and um handle it and if it, they need to have people working from home to flatten the curve it, it ends up you know making sense um so that's the factor that, that's out there let's talk to dennis in hartford dennis you're on wtmj hello Hello, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? Well, I think it's great for my son. I'm, I'm kind of calling for my son. He moved from Wisconsin out to Utah and uh, moved for a job, and then that job kind of fizzled, so he moved to a new job, and then he had a 70-mile one-way commute. Yeah. Well, now he's working from home. He's saving that 140 miles a day in, in cost for gas, but right. also the bigger thing is, He's saving the time that he had a waste, if you will, driving back and forth to work, more time with his family. So for him, as a commuter, this is really good. 
Yeah, and I think I mean I think a lot of people like that. Um, and you know, I, I know people. I've never worked in a place where I had a really really long commute. And I know people say you get used to it, but the question is, what you know, if you could if you could avoid being in a car two hours a day or two and a half or three hours a day, you know, there and back, exactly. why wouldn't you want to do that? No, thanks. I know. And I, I mean, there are there are values to that. Now, the flip side of this is, I, I know particularly with kids home. I mean, it's. It's a it's a struggle, and for a lot of working parents, the idea that okay you're you're supposed to do be doing your job. I, let's say, I, I don't know. I mean, you're you're doing marketing, you're in sales or, or whatever, you know. And, and you've got your call sheet, you've got all these things you have to do. And at the same time, you know, your your twelve year old is in the next room, and your twelve year old's supposed to be engaging in virtual learning, but you've got this suspicion that you know that they're really playing games on the computer. I mean, and you're trying to do your job, and you're also trying to again make sure your kid is doing what your kid is doing. I, I think that, that those are challenges, and I know it's it's extremely stressful. In addition, I know that there's people who, I, I don't know their 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 work, their home place isn't necessarily conducive to having to work. You know, when, when I was doing my show from home, it was no big deal. I've got a home office upstairs. So I would go upstairs and have my cup of coffee and close the door and we'd guard up, block off the up door, upstairs so the dog couldn't come running up and bark. And and I was in my office and it, w- it was fine. It was a good environment to do what I was doing. But at the same time, I, I understand if I lived in a, I don't, I don't know, studio apartment and you're, you're trying to work eight hours a day sitting at what doubles for your kitchen table, it, it's a different kind of dynamic. Dan in Appleton. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Listen to your show all the time, Jeff. Thank Thanks you, sir. For the, just for the minute. Thank you. Yeah, um, I, I actually with uh, with what Google's doing, we're a, we're a tech company as well, and I think it's I think it's smart. Honestly, um, we um, we we haven't come out and said how long uh, that employees will you know work from home, but uh, but we actually did a survey of staff and said who wants to come back. Like we were thinking a couple of days a week, and we put a rotation schedule in right. place so people could come back in you know basically two days a week. So we, that started after the 4th of July, and we have, like, two people in the office um, <laughs> that have come in, and those are the couple people that have to be there. So even with giving employees options to do it and come in the office, I think there's a little bit more uh, tension out there as to, you know, wanting to come back within the workforce than people talk about. Yeah, I think you, you well, you could be onto something. And of course, this all plays into the whole backdrop of what we're talking about constantly is what do you do with schools? I mean, because, because I guess the idea is yeah. if you, if you don't, and I appreciate that, if, if you make a decision that, well, you know, we don't feel comfortable bringing adult employees back into a downtown office setting, what, what do we do with, with the kids and what do we do with the teachers? It's just, well, if it's not a mess, it'll do till a real mess gets here. Dan, let me ask you this. So productivity, have you noticed any difference having your employees work at home? Actually, no. We we use web conferencing tools, and um, uh, so and we're, as a tech company, we're constantly using them. I'll, I'll say that we all miss each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we miss hanging out. Uh, we're a company. We have we have picnics through the summer and mm. uh, hang out as a group. So uh, you know, I, I got together with uh, one of my managers um, uh, just last week. It's the first time I've seen him uh, since since yeah. mid March, and. Uh, uh, we had a great time together, uh, but we went outside somewhere, and uh, you know we we kind of joke that you know hey I haven't seen you f- for four months, but it's really we have seen each other. Well, right on the, uh, on, the, so on the phone. I, yeah. 
No, thanks yeah, for calling. No, I, I, I know, what, I know what you're talking about. No, th- I, I appreciate it. Thank. I, I know what you're talking about. I mean, I, I just now, now since I've been back, I, I interact again with our on-air people. But I mean, there's, there's lots and lots of people that that work at this radio station that you know you you don't hear on the air or anything. Our, our sales department, our marketing department, and the people who do all our scheduling. And I haven't seen any of those folks since since March. And, and yeah, I. I, I like them. I consider them to be certainly work friends of mine. And I, I just, you, you miss those people. Here's a text. Jeff, I love working from home. We're approved through the end of the year, hoping it's forever. Well, be careful what you wish for, because it might be that way. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, I'm having one of my give me strength moments. All right. The uh, now, the, the federal government announced last week that they were going to be sending federal agents into a number of cities, and Milwaukee w- was on the list. Now uh, we all know what's going on in Portland, where the, the you've got just out of control rioting that's been going on for fifty five days. The federal agents have become the the issue. It's not the criminals, it's not the looters, it's not the arsonists, but it's, oh, you've got federal agents that, that are there. And so that's ended up becoming the, the issue. My argument has been, at this point in time in our history, if a local community wants federal assistance, whether it's Minneapolis or Seattle or Portland or Chicago or Milwaukee, for example, and I were the president, my response would be, hey, we're here to help. You know, if you if you want us to send agents, we're there for you. But we're, we're not going to do it if you don't want us there, because what happens again is the federal agents become the issue. And, and that's that's my objection. And so, you know, I understand that people disagree with me because some people and I hear it from them will say, well, would you just let people burn down the city? And, and my response would be, well, I, I'd leave it up to the mayor. And if the mayor of Chicago wants to allow rioters to burn down the city. Well, yeah, I, I guess, you know, and the governor of Illinois wants to sign off and allow rioters to burn down the city. Yeah, I, I'd say you, you broke it, you bought it. And 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 that's how you bring about political change. And maybe the, the decent law-abiding citizens of Chicago decide we're not going to take this. Or the decent law-abiding taxpaying citizens of Portland say we're, we're tired of being in an armed camp. And, and yes, we, we're going to bring about pressure on the mayor and the governor to call out the National Guard or do whatever we have to do to stop it. But but when you send in the federal authorities, you make the feds the issue, particularly 100 days out from from the election. So that's why I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. And I particularly wouldn't do it in Milwaukee, where we, we really other than the first few days, we, we really haven't had large problems with civil unrest. Now, I understand that what's going on here is the the ostensibly the reason we're sending federal agents in is we want to have them provide assistance to local law enforcement and to the local U.S. Attorney's Office to help investigate violent crimes and things of the like. And again, I'm I'm all in favor of that. You're talking to somebody who, for you know, a better part of a decade, you know, worked with state and local agents as part of task forces using the federal laws to bring federal charges and things like that. But but again, the problem here is in today's politically charged environment, you send a bunch of, of federal 
agents, more ATF agents, more DEA agents, more FBI agents or whatever. And, you know, you use them to help you fight street crime. And inevitably, what's going to happen is there's going to be an interaction between those agents and people on the streets. And and then you're going to be off to the races. So that's why I would just say, let's if you want help, we're here to help. But we're, we're not going to send people without you asking. And, and even in Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Police Department, they didn't know, they didn't know that there were more federal agents that were coming to town. And I think they were a little bit surprised about it as well. So w- with all that being said, and again, I'm, I'm on record as saying that I, I just, I think it's not the best idea. All right. Having said that though, this is my give me strength moment. One of the things that's going on now in the city of Milwaukee is, and it's one of the reasons why you have crime that is kind of out of control, is that very few people are getting prosecuted. I will give you this. This is one of these undercovered stories. If you talk to the police, they will tell you that they are incredibly frustrated with the district attorney's office and the the court system because right now they're not putting anybody in jail because we've got COVID concerns, et cetera, et cetera. And so you talk to police, and they will tell you, we keep arresting people. We keep arresting the same people over and over again, and they keep getting turned loose. And there's a couple reasons for that. One is the, well, we, we don't want to put people in jail because of coronavirus. The second is, gee, we, we don't want to, you know, get some of the activists that are anti-police and anti-law enforcement worked up. So we keep, we've got this, if there was ever a revolving door, it, it's worse now than, than ever. Matter of fact, I was talking to some police officers the other day telling me about how, you know, there, there's this huge burglary ring that's operating and they keep they know who's doing it they arrest them and the people keep getting turned loose so it's an ongoing problem that's there so against this backdrop apparently milwaukee county district attorney john chisholm goes in front of the common council and the journal sentinel has a story about this i sent out a link if you follow me on twitter it's at jeff wagner 620 and what uh chisholm says is well it goes to the common council and says you don't have to worry If federal agents come to Milwaukee and they commit any crimes, I'm going to prosecute them. Kidnapping, false imprisonment, unlawful assault, these are crimes. These are crimes no matter who commits them. Whether it's a federal agent or a citizen, you can't do that. Not in the United States, and it won't be tolerated here. So he's telling the Common Council, if the feds go ahead and they send people in, you know, don't worry, I'm I'm going to go after them. All right, this is the point I made on Twitter. Again, I'm on record as arguing that sending federal agents to Milwaukee is not a great idea. That said, that said, wouldn't it be nice if the Milwaukee County District Attorney would be as committed to prosecuting other types of crime as he appears to be in prosecuting federal agents? I mean, it just wouldn't you love to have the district attorney come out and say, I, "I'm just I, I've had it up to here with the the homicide rate that's spiking and the shootings and the reckless driving and all this irresponsible and the burglaries and the car thefts and all that, and, and we're going to be aggressive and we're going to be taking people off the street and we're going to be dropping the hammer and we're going to be pushing for long sentences. Wouldn't it be nice to have a district attorney that was as aggressive in going after?" other types of crime as saying, hey, any federal agents come to town and they violate any laws, I'm going after them. Fine to want to go after federal agents that violate the law, but but like I say, I wish the DA would be as just a tenth as committed to prosecuting other types of crime as he appears to be in prosecuting federal agents. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner.
Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, this is politically incorrect, but it makes sense for me. If, As we have talked about repeatedly, after the, the pandemic first hit and we had all the different shutdowns, some imposed by the government, some just imposed by the, the economy because people weren't out shopping, we had this first round of, of assistance that provided people who were unemployed an extra 600 bucks from the feds on top of whatever you would get from the state. That results in a good portion of people making more on unemployment than they do when they're employed, which then says, okay, if that's the case, why why would you go back to work if you make more not working? Um, here's a text to start this off. Jeff, um, I got a job at a temp service where I help find people work. There are so many jobs open, it literally is not funny. Um, so, and, and I'm hearing that. And, and again, I, I, I understand that the, the average person now who's getting this extra 600 bucks, they're, what was the number? It was like, they're, they're making 30% more than they made when they were employed. So you have a, a huge chunk. I think the numbers I saw estimated like 65% of the people who are, who are out of work now, they're making as much as more than as as much, if not more, by not working than they were when they were working, and they're making in some cases substantially more. So there's no incentive to go back to work a- at all. The six hundred bucks a week is set to expire this week. I think you know. Actually, I think it might have expired at the end of the the weekend. So the, those those checks are going to stop coming unless Congress does something. The Democrats want to continue it, 600 bucks a week until January, so another six months. Republicans are saying, no, we, we got to do something different. They're going to be rolling out the plan a little bit later on today out of the Senate. But what I'm hearing is it is going to continue federal assistance, but it's going to limit it. And what it's going to say is that the total amount of your unemployment compensation, federal money, and state money can't be more than 70% of what you were making when you were, in fact, employed. So you, you can't, by the time you add both of them together, it can't be more than 70%. The idea being we'll still continue to provide a safety net for people, but it's not going to be a hammock. You know, there's going to be an incentive for you to go back to work. Now, this I admit it's going to create some logistical nightmares for some states, like the state of Wisconsin hasn't figured out how to process. There, there's still an enormous number of people who, who submitted their unemployment claims in March, and they still haven't gotten their money. So figuring out how to, to work this out is going to be difficult. But I want to talk about the concept. All right, no more than 70% of what you were making before you lost your job. No more than that. Is that unreasonable? 855-616-1620. That's the Iconet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and my answer is my, my answer is no. We, we cannot have a system set up at taxpayer expense where we continue to subsidize people for, for not working and provide an incentive for them not to go back to work. It's not fair to the people who've worked you know, who the essential workers who, who've worked full time during the, the pandemic since March. It's not fair to them. And, you know, we've talked about this before. I know that there are people out there who um, 
have been working through this, who have other people, you know, friends, colleagues, coworkers, who are laid off, who are making more than they're making, and they're working. And, and that's just not right. Secondly, if we're going to get the economy back, we have to create an incentive for people to go back to work. And to me, it is reasonable to say, look, we're, we're, we're going to continue to help you out because this is unprecedented and, you know, a lot of people are still out of work, et cetera, et cetera. But we can't just continue to allow people to make more money by not working than by working. And we've got to give you an incentive to get back to work. And if that means capping your unemployment compensation, federal and state, at 70 percent of what you were making before, I think that's reasonable. What do you think? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I think that's a fair balance between being fair to the people who've lost their jobs, in many cases through absolutely no fault of their own, and helping them, and at the same time, also recognizing that the taxpayers have an interest, the employers have an interest, and all the employees who've been working through all this craziness over the last few months, you know, they... They deserve to, again, understand that they're working for a living and that you can't be just giving some of their coworkers more money than they're worth making. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Jeff, these people won't work for under fifteen dollars an hour, but many of our jobs are office or manufacturing, which starts at eleven to thirteen. So they just continue to collect unemployment. Well, that that's exactly that that's exactly right. And if you're if you're paying somebody fifteen dollars an hour effectively to to not work, well, well, what's the incentive to go back? Now, some people say, well, they have to go back if they get called back. Well, there, there's two things. First of all, yes, technically. If an employer says, okay, you've got your job here, and if somebody refuses to come back, what the employer can do is they can contact, in this case Wisconsin, they can contact the state and say they're refusing to come back, and then the state can start the wheels to, to cut them off. That's that's putting a lot of responsibility on an employer, number one, because, I don't know, let's say you run a restaurant in, in the community, and you want to bring back servers or, or whatever, and they tell you they don't want to come. Well, all right, you, you, you can dime them out, you can turn them in, but that word's going to get out in the community that you've done that, so you're, you're going to create bad feelings. That's number one. Number two, there are a lot of businesses that, that aren't bringing people back. I mean, people like Potawatomi, people have laid off people. All right, but that doesn't mean... Right, that people shouldn't be out there aggressively trying to find other jobs. So it's not, there's this huge chunk of people. It's not a question of being called back. It's a question of, right, I have no real incentive to go out and look for another position because I, I'm making more money than I most likely would if I went to that particular job. And that's, that, that's a weird, bizarre place to be where you have a situation where you're, you're paying people more not to work. That's why to, to me, I under, understand that, you know, maybe maybe what we need to do for a little while longer is we need to figure out a way to provide, again, that, that safety net for people. But we, we overreacted. I think we paid way too much money in the beginning, and we're starting to see the unintended, you know, consequence 
of that. Uh, Jeff, the unemployment office is so backed up with claims that they don't even have time to go through the letters from universal employers about individual employees. Um, that's the least of their worries right now. So you know you're going to have massive amount of people most likely having to pay back thousands of dollars because they lied to unemployment in the end. Well, I, that's assuming that, that you ever get through that. Um, Let's see, Jeff, would it be capped at 70% of your gross income or $600, whichever is greater? Well, yes, yes, that, that's it. The, the idea is you, you, it wouldn't be more, you couldn't, you couldn't total get more than 70% of what you made. But like I say, that would, that, that would account for, like, there, there's over 70% of the people, at least who are left, according to the numbers I was looking at, over seven out of 10 people are, are making with that $600, make more than or as much as they made when they were were working. Um, Jeff, I think enough is enough. I was unemployed from March till May, didn't receive a dime. They should consider themselves lucky that they're still going to get something. Well, I, I think it's, it's that. Jeff, I think it's a shame that Congress doesn't help the essential workers get anything out of the bill, and we had no choice uh, but but to work that that is the the fundamental fairness of, the, of this thing that's out there and I mean I I can understand if I was somebody who was an essential worker wasn't laid off and so you're working forty hours a week and you're stocking shelves in the grocery store or the big box retailer you're working you know at, at the cash register at whatever and and you know that you've got you know colleagues who've been laid off and they're making as much if not more than you it doesn't. It doesn't seem like it's actually um, right. Jeff, how can people get unemployment if they refuse to work? They have to go back. Well, again, first of all, that assumes they've got a job. If their present employer isn't hiring back, they've got no incentive to go back and, you know, hey, I, I wasn't called back by the, the Jeff company. Eh, I got really no incentive to go and try to get the, the GRU company to hire me. That's part of the reality that is um, out there. Um, Jeff, what kind of, um, yeah, and, and again, it, it kind of goes on. I, I understand the politics of this, and, and let's recognize that what's happening here is it's an election year. And so the the idea is let's throw money at everything. And, and the last thing we want are stories in the media about, gee, people who've had their extra $600 a week from the feds cut off, and as a result, now they're struggling to make this payment or that payment. Of course, in Wisconsin, we we're, we're, we've, we keep moratoriums. You don't have to make your utility payments. And there's uh, moratoriums that are in place on student loans and all those other things. And I, I appreciate that you've got to have, like I say, a safety net, but th- there needs to be some common sense in how we approach this. And to me, I think 70% is reasonable. Oh, and by the way, for people who are wondering, they are in fact looking at another round of $1,200 stimulus checks to everybody who qualified before. Everybody who qualified before, including lots and lots of people who did not need that money. But I tell you, when Uncle Sam is opening his wallet, I guess everybody just get in line. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I have on my computer screen a press release from the city of Milwaukee. And let me just say, I I swear I am not making this up. Resolution requiring Milwaukee Police Department members to issue business cards to be before the council. 
At tomorrow's July 28th Common Council meeting, Alderwoman Shantea Lewis is introducing for immediate adoption council legislation urging the Fire and Police Commission to require members of the Milwaukee Police Department to provide business cards when encountering an individual or groups of individuals during the course of their official duties. Let me let that linger in the air for for a moment. Urging the Fire and Police Commission to require members of the Milwaukee Police Department to provide business cards when encountering an individual or groups of individuals during the course of their official duties. Oh, group of thugs that just threw rocks and bricks and frozen water bottles at us. Hi, here's our business cards. I I mean, I, I wonder... Okay, if you have like a shooting incident, hey, we're 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 we've got gunfire going on here. I'm here, Mister Shooter, or or, or Mister like twelve gangbangers, or hey, the, the the people in the stolen car that just blew through the red light and are are running at ninety five miles an hour and darn near ran down three people in the intersection. Here's our business cards. <clears throat> the press release continues: an attempt to help foster an atmosphere of trust and cooperation. Look out for that brick. In an attempt to help foster an atmosphere of trust and cooperation, I'm introducing this resolution to promote transparency and accountability from the police, Alderwoman Lewis said. There is a greater need for police oversight and accountability in light of the global racial justice protest movement that has risen in response to the deaths of etc., 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 and taking away police anonymity will be a positive advancement to protecting Americans and their constitutional rights. You know... It, wouldn't it be nice? We we have gone through the looking glass in this community and in this country. We've got, and if you follow me on Twitter, I sent out a link to the story. It's on JS Online. You've got the district attorney of Milwaukee County, who by and large takes a pass on getting tough on all sorts of violent crime, and he's in front of the Common Council saying, well, if we have federal agents come here, don't worry. I, I'm fully prepared to prosecute them for any criminal activity they may engage in. All right. Wouldn't it be nice to have the district attorney express this one-tenth as much commitment to trying to deal with the repeat criminals that are out on the streets on a daily basis causing havoc in this community? But, no, we don't do that. And and then you've got all right, the, the common council. All right, what, what, is, what is this issue here? We have crime that is out of control. You have a homicide rate in the city of Milwaukee that you're probably, if it keeps up, you're going to have to go back to 1991 to have that number. You're going to have, and, and that's just the homicides. That's not the shootings. We're not counting the burglaries. We're not counting the carjackings. We're not counting the violent crime. And, and, and what, what is her priority? I want the cops to be passing out business cards whenever they encounter individuals or groups of individuals. So, again, if you've got a bunch of protesters that are out there that are, like, walking down the freeway when they've been told not to and are throwing bricks and screaming obscenities at the police, the police, well, we're going to give you a pack of business cards and we're going to pass them out. The world has gone absolutely 100% mad. It's just gone mad. And you have these members of the Common Council who have decided that, okay, we're going to hop on this current you know, train, and we're going to ride it for as much political points as we can get. And, and that's all well and good. Politicians are all about politics. At the same time, you've got the city of Milwaukee, which is figuratively speaking, burning, burning, 
burning with crime, burning with people who are dying right and left. And our concern is, gee, when the police officers have somebody screaming at them or throwing bricks at them, we, we, we want them to give out a business card. Oh, oh, okay, really? We're going to require them to issue business cards. Whenever you encounter groups of individuals during the course of your official duties. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, older woman. I, I kind of violated this rule because when, when the, the teenagers driving the, the stolen car who had just carjacked the lady at the gas station, um, I, I was going to give them the business card. But, you know, when they went through the red light at 120 miles an hour, I decided I, I'd better not continue the chase. So I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't give them my business card at the time. This... It is just crazy. And just when you think you have heard the the craziest stuff, then it gets even more just absolutely, totally wacko. And and that's what's going on now. We want them to be transparent. Let's have them give out our business card. I swear you cannot make this stuff up. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Number of emails or texts uh, about yes, the the requirement they want to urge the Common Council wants to urge the Fire and Police Commission to require police officers to carry and pass out business cards when they encounter individuals or groups in the course of their duty. Oh, there's 50 people that just threw those frozen water bottles and bricks at us. Let's give them their business cards. (laughs) I mean, really, you know, you you cannot make this stuff up. All right. Now, at some point in time, I, I do think there there is a pendulum that starts to swing back, and we, we have this rush for political correctness. We we have this this rush that that is out there to try to I, I don't know make, make sure that we we recognize that police officers are villains and that, that they are they are the enemy, and, and we need to have more accountability, et cetera, et cetera. And so we, we rush to do those things, but sometimes there's consequences. We, we talked about a month ago about the, the TV show um, Live PD, which was on the A&E network, and, and first what happened is the show Cops got canceled. Um, Cops was... I mean, it, it, you know, Cops is a long-running show that had, had kind of fallen off in popularity. But um, A&E ran this show called Live PD, which was a, a hit police reality show that focused, you know, police on their rounds in multiple cities simultaneously. It was um, it, it was incredibly popular. It averaged uh, about 2 million viewers for its Friday and Saturday night episodes. Okay, so it was very, very popular. After the first wave of police protests broke out, A&E canceled the show and they said, um, you know, we've, you know, we and essentially what they said is, you know, we, we're, we don't like the show because we think it glorifies the job that police officers do. And so, you know, we're, we're going to stop making it. Okay. So it was canceled, um, June 10th. All right. Here's the deal. Average primetime viewership for A&E between June 11th, the day after they, they stopped producing the show, and July 19th was about 500,000 people. That's down 50%, 50% from the same period last year. They cancel live PD, and what happens is their, their ratings 
plunge in the key demographics, adults 18 to 49 and 25 to 54. If you're older than 54, the, the advertisers and the TV stations don't care about you. In the key demographics of adults 18 to 49 and 25 to 54, the declines are 55% and 53% respectively. They lost half their audience by dropping the, the live PD shows. As a matter of fact, there, there's an ongoing fan base. They call themselves Live PD Nation, um, very active on social media, encouraging a boycott of the network until the programs are returned. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text. Now, I, I, I said this at the time. I, I never really, I never watched cops and I, I never watched stuff like America's Most Wanted. And I don't think I've ever seen live PD. So it's just, it's not the type of, it is not something that has an appeal to me. It's not my cup of tea. But obviously, there's a lot of people out there that liked it. And there's a lot of people out there that now that it's not on A&E, they're not watching that network anymore. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it time to say political correctness be darned? And is it time for some of these networks to start saying, you know what? People wanted to watch shows like Live PD, and we're going to bring those shows back instead of, all right, trying to pretend that, well, you know, people are going to be offended by this or we don't like it or some certain interest groups not going to like it if we show these shows. People want to watch it. We're in the business of giving people what they want to watch. And maybe we were a bit hasty in deciding that these various live television, these live police shows, ones that showed what officers face on a daily basis, ones that to an extent sometimes made fun of some of the stupid out-of-control criminals, all right, is it time to bring shows like Live PD back, and were they wrong to cancel it in the first place? And my answer would be yes, and obviously, at least if you look at the numbers, Yes, they were wrong to cancel it because people were watching it and people wanted to watch it and they don't want to watch what you're putting on up against it. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And if you were a fan of either cops or particular live PD, um, do you miss it? And should A&E bring it back? Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're just tuning in, uh, about a month, well, about a month and a half ago, in response to the, the initial you know, outrage about police misconduct after the, the horrible situation in Minneapolis, you, you had, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of knees were jerking and, and A&E Network, which ran the very popular live PD shows, they immediately said, we've got to cancel this. This is, we don't want to offend people. We've got to cancel it. And what's happened since then is their, their numbers have dropped off. They, they've lost half of the audience from, from last year. People are, are bailing o- on this. And I think, you know, they, they don't have a replacement I- idea. And I think even at A&E, they're starting to realize that maybe, maybe their reaction was a bit precipitous to, um, this. Um, Jeff, the only place I can get my live PD now is YouTube. A&E needs to bring back live PD. Jeff, the good thing about live PD is it provides transparency into police operations, and it also provides an honest look at what the idiots that are out there are doing. Yeah, see, that's 
that that that's the thing you know i mean i think that there's a lot of people out there who don't realize what it's like day to day for the men and women who are in law enforcement and and that's where you get the these just uh, these ideas like oh people are throwing bricks at you and and frozen water bottles here give them your business card cuz we want transparency um jeff uh, bring back live pd i loved watching it late nights no reason why it can't be brought back the show the show shows what good cops are that are out there. It can be used as a teaching tool. Barb in Milwaukee. Barb, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello. Hi, Barb. Um, yep. Hello. So uh, we watch the show every Friday and every Saturday. We really enjoyed it. We enjoyed the way they would, they had a connection with the police officers. I think they focused in on about 10 different communities mm-hmm. from all over the country. And I feel like the host of the show, they gave their honest opinion. Like they had, a, they had a former officer, then they had an officer from Tulsa who would put his opinions in. And it was just very, very honest. And nothing, um, I don't think they ever showed anything that was real intense, but they showed that if you committed a crime, you were going to be. You know, they, I don't know, they just, if, if you committed you, a crime, you were going to get arrested and you, you'd be in trouble. Right, but how politically right, exactly. in, Barb, but how politically incorrect is that nowadays that we want to have people you know held accountable for for their crime? Don't you realize that the police are the enemy, Barb? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, and that's I mean, and that's what we miss. Like we miss just the reality of it. It was it was reality TV, and I'm not a big fan of it, but I was a big fan of it because of the way right. they showed our officers. I mean, I support our officers, and I think. It's sad that people can't put a um, the difference between this is this is really what's happening out right. there. <laughs> no, right, exactly. No, right, no, thank, right, no, thank, it is, and that that's what the the appeal was. I think the reason I never got into those shows is, you know, back when I started out as a federal prosecutor, and you do, I, I never watched the lawyer procedurals. I never watched Law and Order. It was just too much what I used to do for for a living. Um, Jeff, this is the equivalent of modern day book burning. We should not be getting rid of entertainment options just because somebody doesn't like it or thinks it's not right. And I emphasize um, option. Nobody has to watch it that doesn't like it. Well, yeah, absolutely. That That's the thing. And now what they're seeing is a, A&E just panics. Oh, my gosh, we don't want people saying that we're glorifying police, so we're going to cancel this whole thing. And, and now what they see is that, okay, people are, are voting with their remote control devices, and they're not watching A&E. Um, let's see. Um, da 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 um, that um, it's just that, that whole situation that's, you know, out there. And, you know, and, and the question becomes, you know, what do we do if this, this anti-police trend starts to continue? In Minneapolis, which is, of course, where the, the, the protest movement originally started, and, and appropriately, I mean, the, the conduct of what happened with those Minneapolis Police Department officers did was absolutely appalling after in the George Floyd case. But but here's, you know, here's the situation. Okay, so Minneapolis is going ahead. The Common Council is going ahead with its idea of defunding the police, and, and they've already started making permanent cuts to the police budget um dropping officers fewer officers on the street and and you know what's happening 
Okay, it, it's what I call the rise of the warlords, because you, you can do these politically correct things, and you can say, okay, we're going to make the, the protest movement happy, and, and we're going we're gonna to spend less money on police. But, you know, who does that really benefit? Well, it benefits the criminals, and the criminals know it. So the story in the Wall Street Journal, here's the headline, in Minneapolis, armed residents set up patrols amid calls to defund the police. So yeah, so what's going on here is at the same time you've got some of the politically correct politicians who are, are giving in to these calls and saying, okay, we're not going to put as much money in public safety. Well, how is how is the, 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 the law-abiding, tax-paying citizens responding? Well, what they're doing is they're saying, okay, fine, you know, we're, we're going to start protecting our own stuff. I mean, this is what I call it. It's see, I, you can just see this coming. It's the rise of the warlords because what's going to happen is if if people do not feel safe, and if people decide that okay, the the, the politicians and the pendulum have swung this far, and we're not going to arrest people, and we're not going to prosecute people, and we're going to be living in this area where we are essentially just waiting to be victims of crime, well, what's going to happen is people are going to start taking matters into their own hands. And I'm not urging that. I think that's bad. That shouldn't happen. But it's why, whether it's the mayor or a common council or a fire and police commission, you owe it to the public to provide safety so people don't have to feel compelled to take matters into their own hands. I've got a topic we're not going to get to today, but this trend about gun sales increasing, well, it's it's been continuing. I've got the numbers for June. They're, they're through the roof. People all over the country, particularly in urban areas, are, are buying guns because they feel that there's going to need be a need to protect themselves. You, you shouldn't get to a point where people feel compelled to do that. You know, it's the responsibility of the elected officials to support the authorities and to support the cops so you can have a public safety matter. And in Milwaukee, you've got the district attorney who says, well, if those federal agents come to town, I'm willing to prosecute them if they violate the laws. Again, like I say, I wish... Wish he would be equally as upset about, I don't know, the murders and the shootings and the carjackings and the assaults and the burglaries and all the other behavior.